Well, take your Bibles this morning. Acts chapter 12, the fifth book of the New Testament, the history book of the early church. We're still looking at some of the women of the New Testament. And this morning, we're going to meet a young lady, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 or 13 years old, and her name is Rhoda. Her name is Rhoda. Have you ever heard a sermon on Rhoda? I've never preached one on this young lady in Acts chapter 12. But before we get to Rhoda, I've got to kind of set up what's going on in Acts 12. There is a king by the name of Herod, and he has decided to kill one of the disciples of Jesus, James, the brother of John. We find that out in the first couple of verses. And the Jews are so happy and excited that this has occurred that Herod has Peter, another disciple of Jesus, arrested. So Peter is in prison. Now, you need to understand there are a number of Herods, King Herods in the Bible. You're familiar with King Herod the Great of the Christmas story. Remember the Herod who was going to have all of the children, two male children, two years of age and under, killed because the wise men came and reported to him that they were wanting to worship a king who had been born to the Jews. Well, a, an angel warns Joseph to take Jesus and Mary into Egypt, and they stay a couple of years. And by this point, King Herod the Great has died, but his son, Herod Archelaus, is in charge. So Joseph is fearful to bring Jesus back to the same area, and in fact, in another dream, he's warned not to take Jesus and Mary back to Bethlehem. So that's when they go to Nazareth, up in Galilee. And that's why Jesus is raised that's his childhood home in Nazareth. So that's Herod Archelaus. Then Archelaus, who's the son of Herod the Great, has a brother, Antipas. And Herod Antipas is the one who chops off the head of John the Baptist that we read about in the Gospels. Well, this particular Herod is Herod Agrippa I. And he's the grandson of Herod the Great of the Christmas story. And in fact, eventually, he'll have a son, Herod Agrippa II, who the Apostle Paul meets while he's in prison at the end of Acts. So we got a bunch of Herods in the Bible. This is Herod Agrippa I. He's killed James. He's got Peter in prison. All right, let's pick up the story in verse 5. So Peter <clears throat> was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. You know, every church should be praying. Not just individually, but collectively. Not just when there's a problem, but certainly when there's a problem. But generally speaking, every church ought to have seasons when we pray together. Not just on Sunday morning. And we've done that together as a church. And this is one of the things, one of the models of the early church that we shouldn't forget. In the good times and the not so good times, we should be praying together. The church is praying for Peter. Verse 6. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. 
Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Now Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, this is probably the location where the early church met in Jerusalem. This is probably the location that we call the upper room, where the disciples were waiting for the Pentecost to happen, the Holy Spirit to come. I, I went to, to Jerusalem, and some of you did, Three years ago, when we were in the Holy Land, I wish we knew the location of that special room, Mary's house. And this is where the early church is praying and worshiping, and they're praying here for Peter. Verse 13, Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. Now this is almost kind of comical, isn't it? They're praying, Peter's there, and she didn't let him in. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel, speaking of his guardian angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door, they saw him, and they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet, and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James, now this is a different James, this is James, the brother of Jesus. Tell James and the brothers about this, he said, and then he left for another place. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, Rhoda was about 12 years old. And when I was about 12 years of age, my father bought a raffle ticket. And that raffle ticket was to give him an opportunity to win a Browning 12-gauge over-and-under shotgun. 
Now, my dad already owned a double-barrel shotgun, and we used to take it over to the family farm in Creedmoor, about 20 miles, a little town, about 20 miles north of Raleigh, where he grew up, and we hunted with it, and we would do some skeet shooting. I can still remember the first time I fired that double-barrel shotgun, and I should not have left about an inch between the back of that shotgun and my arm because when it kicked back, it left a major bruise on my arm. I lo learned my lesson early on as we were shooting those clay pigeons. So my father buys this, this um, ticket, this raffle ticket to buy that shotgun. And for weeks, my dad kept talking about what was going to happen. He was going to win that double-barrel shotgun. The night of the raffle ticket drawing occurred and my dad had already told my mom that he was going to be home immediately after supper. He wanted supper on the table if at all possible so we could quickly eat so that when the telephone call came through for him to win the double barrel shot, I mean the over and under Browning 12 gauge shotgun that, that he'd, you know, we'd be through with supper and he could go get it. Now, my brother and I, I'm 12, my brother's three years, nine months younger than I am. You know, we're hearing this and, and we're kind of getting excited. But deep down inside, we're not that dumb. I mean, what are the odds, right? What are the odds that he's going to win this shotgun? But, but my dad's pretty insistent. He thinks he's going to win it. And I can remember at some point saying, but dad, why? Why do you think you're going to win it? I just know it. I feel it. I sense I'm going to win that shotgun. So we ate supper, cleaned up the table, and about 7.30 that night, the telephone rang. Now, this is back in the day, and I'm showing my age, where there's not a multiplicity of phones in the house, and there are no cell phones. We just had one phone, and it was in the hallway. And it was one of those old rotary dial phones. You remember that? If you've never seen a rotary dial phone, go home and Google rotary phones just so you can see one. You stick your finger in it, you turn each number individually to dial it, and it's in the hallway and the phone rings and my dad goes and picks up the phone and the den's over here and the kitchen's here and he's in the hallway and he comes back in a few minutes and very calmly he looks at my brother and me and he says, you boys want to go with me to go pick up that shotgun? And you know, we look at him, and my mom does too, like, you're crazy. You're just pulling our legs. Come on, you didn't win that shotgun. An hour and a half later, we drive back into the driveway, and we walk into the house with a brand new Browning over and under 12-gauge shotgun that my dad won in that raffle. It's amazing because the what of the shotgun happened in maybe in some measure because of the why. My dad truly believed he was going to win it, and lo and behold, he did. You know, we got a text here out of Acts chapter 12. We've got Rhoda announcing Peter's release from prison, and it's a what that's born out of a why. The what is born out of a why. Rhoda, whose name, by the way, means rose. That's what Rhoda means. She's described as a servant girl 
to Mary's family. Just like I was age 12 when my dad won this shotgun, she's about 12 or 13 years old, and she's a servant girl in Mary's house. Now, since Peter's arrest, the church has been at Mary's house praying. And the text doesn't tell us how long that's been the case. I mean, it might have been 24 hours. Maybe it's 48 hours. Maybe it's three, four days. Maybe it's been a week since he's been in prison. We don't know exactly the amount of time. But undoubtedly, Rhoda knows Peter's voice. She's heard him speak. She's heard him tell the stories of Jesus. She's heard him preach, I'm sure, about Jesus' resurrection. She recognizes Peter's voice very easily when he knocks at the gate. Rhoda's what of a miracle for Peter is undergirded by a why. Rhoda understands that God's power is always at work and it can do anything. And so the text tells us she's so overjoyed in realizing that Peter has been freed from prison that she doesn't open it for him, but she runs and goes back. Now, just imagine this. Here's a group of people that are in a time of worship and a time of prayer, and she runs in and stops the prayer meeting, interrupts it, and tells them that Peter has been released and he's standing at the gate. And what is their response? Now, just think about this with me for a moment. Here is a group of people who are praying for Peter's release. They are praying for a what? And when the what occurs, no one wants to believe it. What do they call Rhoda? They say she's crazy. They say she's insane. They say she's nuts. The actual Greek word there is a word where we get our English word maniac. You're a maniac, Rhoda. The porch light is on, Rhoda, but nobody's home. You're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. But this young Rhoda keeps insisting what she knows. I heard Peter's voice. He's there at the gate. And that what is undergird by the why. She knows that God is always at work. Isn't it amazing how children believe stuff that we adults don't? I mean, maybe that's why Jesus said, unless you have the faith of a child, you won't enter the kingdom of God. Here's a child who knows the what has occurred, and it's undergirded because of the why. And the group still doesn't want to believe, the prayer group. They still don't want to believe. They think it's Peter's guardian angel. See, the Jewish people believed that everybody has a guardian angel. And they also believed that that guardian angel takes on the physical characteristics and qualities of the person whom that guardian angel is protecting. So it wasn't really Peter standing at the gate... It's Peter's guardian angel who looks like him and Rhoda is hearing the sound of that angel that sounds like Peter. That's what's happened. Now, how long is this going on? How long are they arguing and bickering over the what that's just occurred? I mean, is it one minute, two minutes, five minutes? But meanwhile, think about Peter. He's still knocking at the gate trying to get in. 
And I'm sure at some point they started calming down a bit to hear Peter knocking. And they go to the gate, let him in. And indeed it confirms Rhoda's story. Peter has been freed by an angel and he fills them in on all of the details of his miraculous release by God. Now here's the question for you and me this morning. How many times have you prayed for something? You've prayed for a what? How many times have you hoped for a miracle? How many times have you asked God to enable a what to occur? But deep down inside, you didn't really believe he could do it. Or deep down inside, you had this you know, measure of doubt that it could actually happen. Or perhaps you were so busy focused on the what in the way you wanted it that you missed out that God was at work and He did answer your prayers, maybe in a different way than what you had thought or hoped or dreamed, or maybe you just missed it completely. How many times has that happened for you? How often is it that we receive a word from God that points us in a particular direction and we ignore it or we're just blind to it? How is it that we have this amazing capacity as Jesus followers to miss out on all of the miracles that God does to bring healing and liberation and freedom and salvation to our lives or to other people? We just miss it. Now, it shouldn't be lost on us in this story, that Peter is arrested during the Jewish celebration of the Passover. Now you remember the Passover celebration is that celebration when Jewish people look back into their history and remember that they were slaves, they were in captivity and bondage in Egypt for 400 years and God raises up an 80-year-old senior adult by the name of Moses and sends him down to Egypt, kicking and hollering and screaming that he's not capable and able and doesn't want to. And Moses becomes one of the greatest figures in the history of the Jewish people. The Jewish people on the night that they are praying for Peter are celebrating their Passover, their, their remembrance of what God did in Egypt and can't even see what God is doing right now in the present in releasing Peter, this miracle of sending an angel. Isn't it interesting how they could celebrate the past, but be oblivious to the work of God in the present? There's only one person who believes. There's only one, people, one person whose radar screen is up and running. There's only one person who's paying attention to the fact that God is always at work around us, that He does miracles, that He answers prayers, maybe not in the way we want them answered, but He's at work. It's a 12-year-old girl, Rhoda. 
And indeed, she has to suffer for a season of time as people cannot accept her faith and her trust and her confidence in God. It takes a season of time until that faith and trust becomes theirs. Could it be? Could it be that we get so caught up in the what for what we hope and pray we want it done in a certain fashion, in a certain time frame, in a certain way. We want it to look a certain way in our own minds. Could it be that we get so caught up in the what that we sometimes forget the why that undergirds it? So let me take you back for a moment to our 50th anniversary verse when we celebrated 50 years as a church a few years ago, Ephesians 3.20. The what is that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, look up here, or imagine. That's the what. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Why? Why is God able to do that? Because, the next part of the verse, because of the power that is at work within us. The Holy Spirit of God is always active and working in our personal lives, in the life of this church, in the life of all of God's church, in our community, in our world. God, through His Spirit, is always at work. That's the why that creates the what. If you know the why... It enables you to see the what that God brings about. But you know, it's, it shouldn't surprise us. We haven't changed a whole lot in 2,000 plus years since the early church days, have we? Just like them, we're still focused and arguing over things that really don't matter in the ultimate scheme of things like whether Rhoda is insane or a maniac or crazy or is it Peter or is it his angel. We focus and we argue over the wrong stuff and we miss God's answered prayers or miracles that he works in our midst. We miss his calling for our personal lives. We miss out on what maybe he's doing in the life of the church. Why? Because we're so focused on the what that we forget the why. The Holy Spirit of God is always at work around us. I want you to watch this brief video and imagine how a person or even a church can be transformed by the grace of God when we remember that the why always creates a better what. Watch the video. It's called, How Do I Know? When a lot of times when people hear the phrase, how do I know, the next thing they say is what? How do I know what? But the key really isn't to know what. The key is to know why. Because when you know your why, you have options on what your what can be. For instance, my why is to inspire people to walk in purpose. My what is stand-up comedy. My what is writing books. My what can be going out with some friends to eat. In fact, another what that has moved me towards my why is a, a web series that we have out now called Break Time. So every Wednesday at 3 o'clock, you should subscribe to the, to the channel. 
we do a series called Break Time on YouTube. So 3 o'clock, we drop a new episode. One episode in particular I'm about to show you a clip to. We were in, uh, we were in Winston-Salem. So Break Time, this is how it works. I travel the country. I do stand-up comedy probably an hour, hour and a half at an event. And in the middle of my show, I'll just sit down and start talking to the audience. And funny just happens. Or I'll meet somebody who's really interesting. So I met this one guy, and he said that he teaches music at a school. I was like, all right, you teach music, you know, um, can you sing? And then uh, I'm just going to show you the clip. Check it. So you're a musical director. Cool. Yes, sir. All right, so um, let, me get a couple, let me get a couple bars of, like, uh, Amazing Grace. Can you do the first part of that? Go ahead. Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Wow. That bro could sing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, now, once you give me the version, is if uh, your uncle just got out of jail, you got shot in the back when you was a kid, I'm just saying, let me see the hood version real quick, if you know which version I'm talking about, just see if that exists. Let me see what you got. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved. Here's the thing. The first time I asked him to sing, he knew what he was doing. The second time I asked him to sing, he knew why he was doing it. When you know your why, your what has more impact because you're walking in or towards your purpose. Do you know your why? Rhoda knew her why. God's power is at work through the Holy Spirit in the world. And therefore the what God can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. He can even release Peter from prison. Some of you this morning have got a pretty major what on your mind. And you're not really quite sure that God is able and I just want to remind you today that you get in touch with your why. The why is the Holy Spirit deep within you and at work in this world can answer those prayers and work that miracle. Amen.